Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings and salutations. Playing air drums. I know. I don't week. know. That, I wasn't even, even listening to music on the way down, so I don't know where that came from. Do you do that a lot? No what? music? I was listening to podcasts. Oh, okay. The um, Oral History of the Office. I don't know if you've oh. listened to that. Mm-mm. Um, I can't remember the last like new podcast I mm-hmm. tuned into. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's the um, it's Kevin. Kevin is the narrator. Oh, do they all have podcasts? Because don't don't some of the girls? Yeah, the the um, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey do the Office Ladies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a episode by episode look. And the the I can't think of his last name now. It's Bill something who played Kevin mm. is like. 10 or 11 episodes of just how like more production end of things, how they got, how the show existed in the first oh, place see, and then survived. That. It's I love, really, I love it's, that stuff. it is really good. Um, inspiring. I'm working in my way. way through that Wes Anderson book. Oh um, yeah. Do you like his movies? I, well, I do especially like, um, Isle of Dogs. Okay. And I have the making of book for that. If you ever want to yeah, see that, I think I'm going to buy all the making of, books. okay. It's funny because the, the, interviewer is clearly really having to pull teeth at times to get him to, oh. to talk about things. Like he, there's a lot of like, huh answers <laughs> and he just leaves it that way. Um, and so, but it is, it's super awesome. I mean, Rushmore, was like a formative movie for me. I remember when it came out, I watched it in theaters a ton. Um, and then I, I read, I watched it nine times in the theater and then I kind of like didn't, didn't watch it again for a long time. I think I wear, I would wear myself out on movies. Like I, I saw American beauty 11 times in the theater. Wow. Um, I saw uh toy story two, like seven or eight times in mm-hmm. the theater. I saw saving private Ryan a ton of times in the theater. All those, like that time period, 98, 99, 2002, like those, those were like, I was just at the theater. Yeah. I didn't do anything else. Yeah. Um, I think, Pacific Rim was the last movie that I saw repeatedly. How many? How many times? I something. It's not many, like four. Okay, maybe five. But that's a lot. I can't remember the last movie I saw more than three times mm-hmm. or two times. I saw the Last Jedi. I saw twice. Uh, I might have seen Force Awakens twice. Oh, I saw Rise of Skywalker twice. Mm-hmm. So the Star the Star yeah. Wars movies I saw twice. Um. Anyway, the book's great and it's really cool. And it's like, it gets into, 
it got me all pumped up to to learn more about filmmaking again so i've been going back and rewatching uh, all of robert rodriguez um the director's chair have you ever watched those no i haven't super cool um and you can find him on youtube he interviews like john carpenter robert zemeckis um quentin and two two of them two part it might be three parts he interviews quentin the one i just finished last night that was amazing was francis ford coppola so it's just him and coppola and they sit down and because it's a director interviewing the director, it's it's all focused on how did you do this? And that's super cool. And the coolest thing about Coppola was it just really reminded me of us. Oh, Because, I mean, obviously on a much grander scale, but American Zotrope was like what we are doing, but obviously the, like Spielberg and mm-hmm. all these other people yeah. were involved in it. But I yeah. mean, it's like he created his own film production studio. And it just like when he's talking about how there were times where they were afraid the lights were going to be shut off. Like it just reminds mm-hmm. me of how we yeah, do, yeah. do things. Um, anyway, it was really it watch. It, you should watch some of those. Yeah. That'd be super interesting. Yeah. They're really cool. I, and I think there's more episodes out there. Those are just the ones I found, but that's my favorite thing is watching directors or whatever, like creatives interview other creatives. I think there's, you get like so, so much more insight into the process than mm-hmm. just like a rando interviewing oh right you know a director or whatever you know that what that reminds me of is a recent biography of Ishiro Honda who did Godzilla Mm -hmm. and like countless Japanese science fiction films and what he really wanted to direct was like sentimental uh like family drama Mm -hmm. type pictures and he did like me he did get to do those (laughs) yeah but he'd, he'd like do a Godzilla movie then he'd do two of these like romantic comedies yeah. and then he'd go back into the science fiction stuff no, that's and exactly. just went back and forth and he he loved it that's exactly francis ford coppola that's his his game plan was like he would do uh so he did um he did all these small films and then he was given the godfather yeah. right and he really yeah. didn't want to do the godfather but they like talked him into it and then he found like his ang- his hook that like got him into it right and then he made the conversation after and the conversation was like his little art film that ended up like winning every Academy award or whatever. And then they convinced him to come back to do Godfather and originally Godfather part two. And Mm -hmm. originally he had told them he wanted Scorsese to direct it. He wanted to pick the director and name it and they wouldn't hire Scorsese. So he ended up doing it and his in to that story was to make it a, a story about fathers and sons. And then after that, he went and made some musical that I'd never even heard of. Huh? And that was a complete bomb. Really? And then after that, he had to do the outsiders. And and while he was making the outsiders, which apparently he clearly does not care for, um, while he was making the outsiders, he made rumble fish, which is like Mm -hmm. the, the black and white, like art film, essentially at the same time he was making these. So it, it was like his entire career is make some sort of mainstream movie to fund his little, like, yeah, you know, like art films right. he wanted to make. But the funniest thing about it is, uh, oh, Outsiders follows Apocalypse Now. That's what it is. Because <laughs> Apocalypse Now was mm. a huge bomb. Uh, that was the crazy one. Like he had he had banks like threatening to foreclose on his home and stuff because he was gone. <laughs> he wow. was filming that movie for like two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone for just this insane period of time trying to make that movie. And his recollections of it are hilarious. Like. He's talking about Marlon Brando showing up on the set the first day and walking in and saying, well, you've really painted yourself into a corner on this one. (laughs) It was like clear that he had written himself to the extent where he had no way out. And like, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now in years, 
So just watching him sort of reflect on it made me want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, and what's fascinating about that is I think people look on look back at probably his whole catalog, but mm-hmm. that movie, and they think of it as a cl- like the a classic, probably right? the classic. Mm-hmm. I know we all Godfather's great. Godfather one and two are great. Um, I always thought Godfather three got a bad rap. I always liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one you overlook is, or the one that that you hear the most about is Apocalypse Now. And the imagery is, I think, why oh, like, sure. you can't, some of that stuff you'll never du- duplicate. Right. Like, but there's countless homages to it, mm-hmm. even, like in films well, coming out today. We're sure. That's why he, he starts talking about Rushmore is what's funny. He's watching, he's talking about, um, uh, what's his name? Max is the character's name. Jason Schwartzman. Mm. He's talking about how Max in that movie is actually him as a kid. Like that's how he grew up. He was a member of every club at the school and he was like just a giant nerd <laughs> and he was always making these crazy plays and everything. Uh-huh. And it's kind of funny because yeah. I always identified with Max a lot. I wasn't smart. Max is supposed to be super smart. I wasn't smart. I just was like, I wanted to have a, a, a finger in every pie. Like mm-hmm. he, wanted, he wanted to be doing, I wanted some involvement in everything. <laughs> I think I still like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Kong Skull Island is all shot through with apocalypse now, like yeah, images, yeah, color tons, palette. Yeah, yeah. Samuel, L. Samuel L. Jackson's, Jackson's character. Really similar, yeah. Super cool. Have we talked about Skull Island on the show? In passing, maybe. Do you, what Not do you that. think of Skull Island? Oh, I love it. Do you? I think it's fun. It's To me, it's like, it's a B-movie plot mm-hmm. with an A-plus budget. Okay. And that's sort of, that's how I take that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't take it super seriously, but as like a, as a monster movie, it's it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. My favorite thing, I own the art of book, because visually it's a gorgeous mm-hmm. movie, but my favorite thing about that movie is knowing some of the behind the scenes from, from talking to Adam and how Jordan basically had to fight, or didn't have to, just fought everyone um, to this insane extent behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, and you end up with a movie that feels very much directed like it's not it it feels like it's got a vision behind it Mm -hmm. rather than just being a marvel movie (laughs) (laughs) we just talked about this on a podcast i can't remember what podcast um but it feels it's very much it's very much its own thing and it's Mm because he he was like so set on directing you know steering it in the in the way he wanted it to go sure and the way the way that stuff works is not typically it's not that way right you you bend over backwards to mm-hmm. make sure the studio is happy and the like executives yeah. are happy. Well, and there's a number of choices in that film that are not your typical Kong. It just you going, you know, one example being the relationship with the female lead. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a connection, but it's not and Darrow mm-hmm. like Kong smitten with her. Yeah. And, and just that alone is, it gives you a sense that this is not your typical it's not King Kong. Right. It's not a remake of that. It's not trying to be. Right. You still have a giant ape, which is very cool. My, my issue with it is that I adore the, orig- the, the original, the Willis O'Brien, and I adore Peter Jackson's. Mm-hmm. And, and I like them as much uh, because of some of the human characters as I do the monster characters. Right. And in Skull Island, I could not care less about a single one. 
of the human character. Yeah. None of them. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I do. And that's, I guess that's part of why I call it a, a, B, a movie. B movie. Yeah. It's because that, who cares? I mean, you're yeah. there to watch the monsters, the monsters fight. fight. Yeah. And it's connective tissue to the next film. Yeah. I mean, that's really what is happening with Kong Skull Island. As cool as it is, mm-hmm. is it's getting you to Godzilla versus Kong. Hey, you do a podcast all about movies <laughs> uh, called Monster Study Group. I do. Um, and if you want to hear more of this type of thing, you can tune in there. But I can already hear keyboard <laughs> keyboard warriors uh, angry that we haven't moved on to talking about something related to the topic of the show. Which this week, I think we're talking about uh, the Bell Witch. Aha. Uh-huh. So it is. It is related. It's yeah. movies. Yeah, this is about filmmaking. <clears throat> about making movies. So we're talking... This yeah, this show is going to be this episode is going to be one of our STM. I feel like we've done a lot of these lately, but this is one of our STM centric shows. We're going to be talking, and the next episode we'll get into a topic uh, more related to the paranormal and just uh, a phenomenon. I think I don't know. Yeah, creepy, creepy, creepy phenomenon, creepy phenomenon. Um, but this show we're going to talk about um, what we've just come off of doing, which is uh, filming uh, the Bell Witch recreations uh which took place one week ago today we started filming the bell witch recreations which seem seems kind of wild but um we had a uh yeah we had a blast i don't know how to go about this either i feel like i also say this on every show (laughs) so i think i'll probably ask you some questions about your recollections of filming on saturday and you can ask me some stuff and we'll just go back and forth sounds good um first of all i feel like we need to to mention that um the the movie was always conceived as being very heavily, uh, b- being very recreation intensive. Um, I compared it all along to Momo in terms of what I was thinking of having on screen, um, and the length of time and and actors saying lines and things like that, which we haven't done outside of Momo. Um, and you'll see Mo- Mothman Legacy has a ton of live live action recreations too, but they're they're vignettes more than anything. I think mm. you get little snippets. And uh, this is this is very much geared around a, a very specific visual style and look and was from pretty much from the beginning. Like the first time we started talking about the look of the movie, I, I had a certain style in my head that I wanted the recreations to have. And for what, I mean, one of the, the only other comparable times where we've pulled that off would be Momo, where we kind of knew what we wanted it to look like. But this time we had such a specific visual style and I wasn't positive we could pull it off. Momo was easy in a way because you can make it look as, as bad or as good as you want. And you can just say, oh, it's like in, intentional. Um, right. And that'll come up again. This, this was different because we, we didn't have that. We didn't have that um, out. It, mm-hmm. It's got. I think every shot's got to look really inspired and interesting, and the and the composition has to be very unique. Yeah, part of the fun of Momo was it's always you. You could always feel like you were winking at the audience. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't parody, but we were. It was fun. It was just like if you do a day for night scene, for example. Yeah, that was. It was almost expected that you would, because that's like a seventies staple. Mm-hmm. The green screen on the mm-hmm. car and all yeah. that stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this we don't have that. So we found, uh, we found a house in this is this is interesting in itself. We had looked for for the better part of of this year. Um, you know, we knew we were doing this, so I'd been looking since January for houses in Ohio that would be a suitable 
double for the <clears throat> bell witch for the bell cabin. Um, we had gone so far as to talk to some local state parks about utilizing <clears throat> like um, the, the cabins and things like that. Um, the, the historical cabins that are still sort of decorated, you know what I'm talking about, like mm-hmm. show and Braun and things. I mean, no, yeah. one, no one that's listening to the show knows what show and Braun <laughs> is, but um, that you can find historical buildings in, in America and here yeah. in Ohio, there's quite a few of them and, and you can find cabins that duplicate the look and, and everything of like an 1800s home. Um, our problem was to use any of those buildings. You were going to get maybe a day tops. So we were looking at you're you're not gonna be able to shoot your recreations um, unless you're gonna do quick like over the shoulder mm. shots and just wildly fast. Um, so I was trying to find a rental house, something we rent, film there, and then have it for X amount of days. Uh, I kind of settled on a four day shoot schedule and was looking from like I said from January on. We were still looking when we were done filming the documentary portion of the movie we came back to ohio not having a place to film in yet and then one morning i don't know what changed but i got on airbnb and did one more search in ohio i actually had two locations outside of ohio one in pennsylvania one in west virginia that looked like they might work our biggest problem was the exteriors looked great the interiors looked like you know the most of the rooms were brand new and they had renovated um, the, we, I got online and, and I saw this house in Dalton, Ohio. Um, and I'm going to rep this or not rep. I'm going to, um, promote this house too. Cause you can stay there. Like anyone can go stay there. So I highly recommend it, but it's called the Cully house. It's right outside of Dalton, Ohio. Um, and it's, we're super close to my sister's house, which is fitting considering how much filming we've done at my sister's house over the years. Um, so, so we, we found this house and, I, I put in my dates and everything and it came back that it was available. And so I, I went ahead and I reserved it and then I immediately sent the landowner a, a message. And this message is always, I was just going to be real open on this episode. This message is always real dicey because we've tried to do this before, even just for filming interviews and things like that. And we've had people shut us down like mm. multiple times where they said, no, you can't film this house. So I tend to sort of gloss over what we're going to be doing while still being open about, you know, hey, we like this house. We're going to do a little bit of filming. I usually don't elaborate too much on what we're doing. So my message, I think, initially said something like, uh, hi, we'd lo- we we love the look of this house. Very excited about it. We're a production company based here in Ohio, and we would like to do a little bit of filming in your house. And I did not go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I almost immediately got a message back that said this wouldn't be... Uh, Seth Breedlove from Small Town Monsters, and and I said, uh, I said, yeah, it, <laughs> I said yes, it is. You know, like well, uh, uh, it's, that's who it is. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And um, they responded and said that they are huge Small Town Monsters fans. They have, uh, they had gone to see Momo at the Canton Palace Theater, and wow. they were so psyched to have us here. And they were, they proceeded to be like, you know, we we own sixty acres here. Please use any of the property you want. Um, the, the, what, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. But what ends up happening is you also start to realize, okay, they don't know what we're doing. So I need to be a little more upfront about this. So, mm-hmm. so then it became, okay, well, 
we're making the bell witch so this house is going to look haunted and scary in our movie and also we need to move like every piece of furniture (laughs) out of out of the out of the rooms that they're currently in we need to take things off walls we're going to be shooting smoke off in the house we need like all of this can we do this and they were just so completely giving of the house totally like yes please they told us just spit they told us to come come early um and do photos get a look around the house they let us come scout the location double check everything um we got to go in early that day that thursday we were in there at 9 a.m i was actually there at 7 30 a.m and the normal check-in time is like two or three in the afternoon um you know i mean and uh, the thing i'm most proud of our crew and and cast and everyone is that nothing was broken nothing i mean nothing was broken nothing was damaged nothing yeah. was bumped when it was over we put the entire house back the way it was in one hour and we did it with photos so we had photos of exactly how each room looked and we went back through and put every single thing back in its place mm-hmm. um and we did it in it'd, an hour it'd be Sunday. like the montage scene yeah the- <laughs> yeah <laughs> mom and dad are coming home so yeah um and the house is just unbelievable it uh the collie house was built around 1830 um super interesting backstory for this place and did you go through the book the photo album i did okay the the rehab of the house yeah yeah so you can talk about that a little Mm -hmm. the the so what i i talked to the landowner on saturday morning as i was setting up outside getting i was starting to cover the windows and foam corn stuff um she she told me that so apparently this house sat abandoned from like 1970 till some somewhere around like 2000 somewhere after 2010 i mean completely abandoned for like 30 Mm -hmm. years and the house was covered in aluminum siding and the interior had drywall and all this stuff over it yeah so when these people brought bought the property they thought they were buying some dumpy old house that they could tear down or whatever and what they end up being told is that there's a log cabin that's a log cabin and their thinking was okay somewhere in there is like half of the house is like a little log cabin and what they started finding when they were ripping down the walls and things is that the whole thing is a log cabin. There's one section they built onto it, um, but the entire house as a whole was a was a log cabin. Um, just the sound of being upstairs alone will transport you back 200 years. Like it's it's all original it's uh, the the ceilings original upstairs the floor is original upstairs the walls are all original so it's all it's all the original log cabin yeah. like i don't know how else to put yeah. it yeah they tore it all out yeah. right down to the original layer what was your like impression when you got there oh well when we got there i mean first of all just the landscape oh, yeah. was so beautiful mm-hmm. because it's it's just starting to roll a little bit and farmland everywhere that you see then you pull up to this place and it's very much, I mean, with the exception of the aluminum metal roof, it's a, an old school log cabin Mm -hmm. uh, that's very well maintained. And it really does end up becoming a character, I think in the film. I mean, it's super important that for these recreations that you're not taken out of that sense of it being 1800s and you're really not. And I don't know, it's just a perfect, perfect spot for that. Um, real rough hewn on the inside. I mean, it just really, you got to watch your feet upstairs. They, there's actually, they tell you like, make sure you're wearing shoes upstairs, especially downstairs. They have new floor, um, new ceiling is no, no, the ceiling downstairs original. 
it's the floor. The floor is new. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, the interesting in the dining room, I think that had been redone. Well, the flooring I, down there. Was, I was going to say the interesting thing about that dining room, it's brick. And I was thinking, well, that's gotta be a more recent addition. They, they said they have photos from like 1880 with that building, with that still on there. So that, yeah, that's old. Right. I well, don't know how old. Sure. And I think if that was, I don't know that I don't think that was a working fireplace anymore, Mm-mm. but it would make sense that y- y- where your fireplace was, you'd brick that mm-hmm. and then the rest of the house would be wood. I mean, yeah. it just, it seems like yeah. a basic smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, they call it a pioneer house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, there's a historical marker on the building, Wayne yeah. County historical marker. Um, and you can stay there. I mean, like if you look up the Collie house, you'll find it. There's no TVs. There's no Wi-Fi. You do have internet reception and all that stuff out there. So you don't feel, I never, I didn't feel isolated. Mm-hmm. You're, you're surrounded by corn, uh, cornfield and farmer's field. Um, and then the house kind of sits back in a little wooded glen or I don't know what you call it. Mm-hmm. Just this wooded area. Yeah. Uh, there's a really cool pond with a fish that's like four feet long swimming around <laughs> in it. Did you see that thing? I didn't see the big one. No, Dude, it's, it was like the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> like the first time they said there's a big fish, I'm thinking like a foot and I looked down. I mean, it's no joke. It's like wow. that long. Um, it's did Aaron get that in the BTS. He might've, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. So we, um, so we got in there on Thursday morning and we set up, which, um, really just meant clearing some of the bedrooms. Um, the, we didn't have to, it was interesting. We didn't really have to set dress. We added oil lamps and candles, Mm -hmm. but there was no set dressing that needed to take place. Um, even the beds looked, looked period appropriate, or at Mm -hmm. least fairly period appropriate or convincingly, you know, that you could just put them in the movie. Um, the 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 only thing we did was move some rugs out of the room so that they were just just the floor um and then that was i mean take things off the walls downstairs move couches and stuff and and on thursday it was basically just a set dressing day and then we filmed a lot of b-roll around the interior of the house and then we um got into um a little bit of filming with like um i believe did amy come? no amy didn't come that day um so yeah, it was just B-roll that day. And then we filmed an interview with Heather Mosher, who's in the movie. And then that was it for Thursday. So Thursday was super easy. Friday, we did the hanging woman scene. That was how we started the day, um, which you'll see when you see the movie. You can listen back to this or something. Some of these things will make more sense yeah. after you've seen the movie. Um, but we filmed the hanging woman. And then we it was our first time seeing the kids in costume. And I had that Momo experience where... Once they're in costume, you're in, you're in that time period. Like it just, I don't know what, is it just like being kids again? Like you just feel like you're play, probably playing probably there's a, a yeah, kid? element of dress up there that you're now you're invested in Yeah, what you had imagined. Now you're like into it. You're living it out. The best thing I can't sing the praises of the people in the, the recreations enough um, but that was the first time that I thought this is going to work. Uh, and, and again, going back to what we talked about with Momo, I, we'll probably reference Momo a lot because mm-hmm. that's my, that's probably the closest we've come to this experience. Um, we had the, this hanging woman scene is kind of important. Um, it, 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 from a story perspective, it's the first time you get a spook, a spooky scene, like a okay. scary scene. Um, 
And it, it's also important because from an acting standpoint, it's broad daylight. These kids are outside the, their location. There's nothing particularly scary about it, which I don't think is the case for the interior of the house. I think we can convincingly kind of play off the house itself as being mm-hmm. spooky. So there's none of the, those things to fall back on. The biggest thing is that, like we said with Momo and the look of it with the acting, you can't fall back on this is purposefully kind of over the top or, or cheesy or whatever. Um, and, and Momo, that was part of it. Like we wanted that, that it, it, honestly, it was good if that was happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. And with this, you just couldn't do that. And what we had was um, Graydon, who's been in a couple of our movies. And then Amy, who's been in a couple of our mm-hmm. movies and Aaron, who's never been in anything other than Momo, which he had one, one silly line in. And we mostly just, you know, like it was, it was, he was at a distance. I couldn't tell if he was acting or just being a goof. <laughs> um, and uh, they, the, they had to react to seeing a body hanging in a tree. And um, when I first saw their reaction shots, that was when I was like, oh, this will work. Like, cause they all so convincingly and so immediately fell into character and did it so well and sold the emotion of it that I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene. And then later that day, Amy had to have like her, did you hear about this? I don't know if anyone talked to you about her screaming. The screaming. Oh yeah. I heard about it. Okay. It was yeah. troubling to. Oh, you were there the, for the, she record. Didn't she record her? I heard. Screaming? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> I okay. That. Imagine that, but worse. Like she was, I was listening to it on the uh, yeah. behind the scenes and it's way worse. Um, Amy had to do the scenes where she's essentially like attacked by the bell witch and, um, her, 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 yeah, it was terrifying. She, she scared so Santino so bad that he fell, <laughs> oh, no. fell backwards and no he's kidding. filming it. Yeah. And, um, proceeded, wow. he proceeded to have to film the scene, holding the camera with one hand with the camera pressed against his arm. So he could try to cover his ears, um, during her screams. Wow. Um, and it was just like, it was, it was a really wild day because we, it was in, Tense. I don't think it was anywhere near Saturday. Saturday, we had to do a lot of different, like, big scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was very few, if any, there were no lines on Friday. No speaking lines. Saturday, also, I should probably mention the fact that you've got the bulk of the speaking lines in the entire movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if anyone else, other than, I can't think of anyone else. Sue has one Sue line. Sue has a line. Um, Sue um, has two lines. Yeah. She talks in the bedroom. She talks right. at the dinner table. Yes. The dinner table scene might get cut for her lines because we had some audio issues that mm-hmm. I picked up on after I started. But John might be able to fix some of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue had two lines. You have a ton. Mm-hmm. John has, uh, Tom, yeah. Tom has a, uh, who goes there. Right. Um, so anyway, so, so day two, um, like talk about this from your perspective, day three, I guess, the Saturday day. Like, what do you remember about that day? Well, it's, I mean, by that time, you know, when Sue and I came down, it, the production was well in swing. So all the, the advance work, you know, was not something that we were involved in. We just had to show up and get into costume and then be ready for the, when the lights go on, you know, so to speak. And that, that's... I don't know. I, that's the part of being in front of the camera that I guess it, it, 
I'm somewhat used to. I mean, as far as acting goes, I don't know any techniques or, or anything. I just well, what do you do, do? I just do stuff. I just think of what the, you know, I look at the situation and the words and try to convey the meaning of it. Is That's there a point it. where you turn your brain off though and just sort of live in the moment? Or yeah, oh, sure. Well, okay. I think it's it's sort of like... The thing with acting in front of a camera is there's no buildup to it. Yeah. You just have to wait around and then all of a sudden it's time to go. And I, that's what I find fun, I guess, about the whole process is for whatever reason, I'm able to flip that switch when it's time to do it and then just go with it and be in, like, be in the moment, as you said, and put yourself, I, I guess the, the work that you do ahead of time is like, from my perspective, I'm playing a pastor who's trying to deal with this weird you know, set of circumstances in this home. So I'm trying to think through what would, you know, what's my mentality being in that situation? Like yeah. I, I imagine myself as I'm there for John Bell as support to him. And so when stuff starts to happen, I've tr- I'm feeling a little bit protective of him. So that sort of colored some of my reactions to when the, like when what I'm doing gets interrupted, that's why I would react in a certain way. And, but when, once you're going, you know, you can't be thinking about what's my motivation right now. You're just reacting in the moment. And I don't know, it was a lot of fun. I thought Sue had to do a lot more in terms of um, changing costume than I did. I mean, I basically had two outfits to switch back and forth, but she was always, you know, changing into something else and something new. And um, what I found interesting in her case is having to do a scene where emotionally she's supposed to be invested in someone who's dying. Yeah. I was going to say, she's like in the thick of it. Yeah. Literally her, was that, that wasn't her first scene, but the, Mm -mm. that was late in the day actually. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my read on that day is a little weird because we lost two of the, the kids for for the better part of the afternoon we lost um aaron and Graydon. both had to go do other things for like six hours or something mm-hmm. and the thing i noticed was that it's diff it's very difficult to schedule this stuff out to begin with but when you lose two of those two two people and i knew we were losing aaron i didn't know we were losing Graydon. so so a lot of stuff got scheduled in a way that we probably i probably could have done it better because i think in the afternoon pretty much from what like two on we're we were hanging out for like three or four Mm -hmm. hours um the 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 scenes that that i was just so we talked about how like you have a look you want to go for and that's the look that comes up but the way that happened is never the way you expect it to you, you you do have a look that you have in mind for the film and a style and all that, but you don't just walk into a scene and then like that happens. Mm. That it, it, not not for. I guess what I'm saying is I'm I'm. This is one of the few experiences where I'm directing more so than shooting it. So like with Momo, I think a lot of the time I was helping dial in the look of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And on this, I was much more focused. I was able to focus more on what's happening in the scene and then talk to you guys about what was happening. Mm -hmm. Probably never enough, but like I was able to talk to people about what was supposed to be happening and, and how each scene was supposed to be composed Mm -hmm. where people were going and things like that. Right. That was my focus. Mm -hmm. And we had 
the reason is we had Santino and Zach there. Zach was shooting more of the abstract stuff in different rooms with other people. Mm-hmm. And I, and Zach, uh, Santino and I were really working behind the camera by, by the late day, by late day on Saturday. And then all of the stuff we did on Sunday, Zach and Santino were pretty much working side by side and I was just directing. Mm-hmm. So that's the, f- that might be my first experience yeah. working that way. Yeah. And, um, and that was good, I have to say. I mean, it was very helpful from yeah. our standpoint because it was really clear what okay. we were. Yeah, that's my to be my doing. concern. Zach's told me before that I, in the moment, I get distracted and I don't communicate what I'm wanting enough. And I think some of that just comes down to like I'm trying to do mm-hmm. maybe too much at once or something. And I do like just in life, I'm that way. I, <laughs> I get distracted really easily. Yeah. And um, but yeah, that was the crazy thing about it is I would say something to Santino like we should go real wide on the scene, like a 12 millimeter. And then I would walk away. And when I'd come back, he would have, I'd be talking to you or something about you're here, mm-hmm. you're here. And I'd come over where he is and he would just have that. Yeah. And it would look the way I wanted it to yeah. look or, or better. And like the, <laughs> yeah. the scene that really stands out to me is the scene with you and Tom at the dinner table. And I don't want to go too far into it, mm-hmm. but it's like the, one of the times where you hear the bell witch speaking to you and like, you find out why she's there. And, um, the, the, the scene was originally supposed to include a jump scare and have Adrian in it. Um, Adrian's playing the bell witch for those, (laughs) those unaware. Um, and, um, uh, and we can talk about how the bell witch is being portrayed because people are going to be like, they didn't see the bell witch. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're well aware of that, but we have, we have things we're doing. Um, the, the, image the first shot he set up was your establishing shot so you had mark on one end of the table and then tom on the other end of the table and tom's playing tom is my father-in-law and he's playing uh john bell and then you were on the other end of the table and you have your bible and it's a really simple scene you're like reading a bible and you're just mm-hmm. sitting there and then you have a conversation with a witch and then it's over right and it's, it's supposed to be a jump scare to kind of like heighten it um the second i saw the the way it looked i was like oh we're just going to do this we're going to do this in three camera angles would do a, a wide establishing and two close-ups we didn't do any coverage there was no like close-up of your bible or anything we could have and it probably mm-hmm. would have been a good thing but i really loved the way that i loved the way it made you guys look and we also shot the scene right before that you know what i'm talking about yep. and that one does include a jump scare mm-hmm. um we, we shot those with the same lens and it, it's the thing i kept talking to santino about going into this was um robert weiss is the haunting and Terry Gilliam and like a Terry Gilliam movie and the way those Gilliam close, everyone looks warped. I think, I think of like 12 monkeys and like, is it 12 monkeys? Seven monkeys, 12, 12, 12 monkeys, (laughs) Uh, seven, seven, seven monkeys, Brad Pitt, Um, 12 monkeys or, or time bandits or any of that. You think of the way the close-ups in those look, and it's just like this warped perspective on someone. It Mm -hmm. just kind of does something weird to people's faces. Um, And I really wanted that crazy wide. In fact, I told him that most, and I think we stuck to this other than one close-up that I'm aware of. Um, we the widest or the 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 narrowest field of view we would get on this was 35 millimeter which is still pretty wide i said everything else i wanted 35 and lower so we were going to go down to the widest lens we have Hmm. is what mostly what we wanted to stick to and that was what he did the only thing i know he shot a close-up of amy during the bedroom scene it was more like 80 
there might have been another one where we had to get, get a close-up of someone's eye or something. But even the close-ups he's shooting in like that crazy 12 millimeter. And that scene is especially cool because your your Bible's, you're reading your Bible and your Bible looks like it's 10 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just coming it's at huge. the... Yeah, and it, it uh, it's just such a unique look for the movie. I'm kind of obsessed with it. So like as I'm editing, I keep finding myself throwing an adjustment layer with a black and white ah, uh, Nora yeah. Lutt over it just so I can see it in that the mm-hmm. way it's supposed to look. And I, I can't get enough of it. Like yeah. every scene, I, I love the way it looks. The only scene that isn't shot in that crazy wide um, view is the uh, the scenes on the... Uh, anything on the FS7 is going to be narrower because it's a super 35 sensor, not a full full frame. I mean, there's another reason we shot all this on Sony because you get the full frame, frame sensor. So you're going to get no matter what, I mean, 12 millimeter on a full frame is insane looking. It's mm-hmm. a crazy, it almost looks like a, a good image from a GoPro is because it's so wide. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, I got off track talking about <laughs> fields of view. Um, but yeah, Saturday was wild because um, we were originally, we wanted to do our two hardest scenes first. Um, there's a, there's a wonder that opens the movie. I'm not going to give anything else away, but there's a, there's a wonder that opens the movie. And we knew originally that scene was much more difficult. It had tons of action taking place. And we had actually sort of figured that would be an entire day of filming just on that. Those, those two versions of that opening scene. Um, Cause we thought we were going to have to do run through it with you guys do, you know, uh, yeah. rehearsals and all that block right. everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but we saved these scenes for late in the day and they ended up probably being, the f- I think the last batch of, of scenes we shot were some of the hardest stuff we shot all day. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, right. And the thunderstorm too. Yeah. Yeah. The thunderstorm, dude. Have you seen like the dailies from it? Mm-hmm. Or like it's, and where I have it placed in the, in the movie is going to be such a like highlight. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait yeah. for that scene to, yes. to be done. I mean, I think there is a behind the scenes Mm-hmm. photo of me watching that scene unfold mm-hmm. and i have the dopiest looking <laughs> smile on my face because i can just see yeah. what it's going to be yeah I, some you know a lot of times with this you prepare as much as you can and then things have to work out yeah and it did it, it, it and really did i think we're so used to scenes working out but not working out as the way we kind of intended <laughs> yeah. them you got to kind of like work around some mm-hmm. things but that scene just worked um yeah, I can't wait for for that. But the winner was really interesting to watch because we've never done a big winner like that. I don't think we've done a winner. Well, you know what? The, 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 the comparable thing would be the scene where Elizabeth Saint jumps out of the car and runs for the car keys and goes back to the car and we pass the... the yeah. That's a winner. It's like a 20-second one, a 30-second mm-hmm. winner. This is a 55... It might even be close to a minute winner that opens the movie. Um and it was, and it involves actors needing to very clearly emote, um, you know, on camera, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it all worked out. But it was late in the day. Yeah. The other thing was, I fed all you guys, so everyone, <laughs> yeah. for once, everyone was full. Right. The one thing I can say about this shoot is that everyone was full pretty much the entire time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was always tons of food in this house. Yeah. Um. So what? What? Without giving too much away, like that was what? It, what was it like being a part of those scenes? with the uh, 
the winner and all that. Well, those are very emotional moments too. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it's, there's no acting involved for me because it's a situation I've been in probably countless times, Yeah, but it was very emotional. And I was, um, in a, in a sense, I was concerned for my wife Mm -hmm. being a part of that because, you know, typically the only time she's been close to a a real life situation like that, it's been a A tragic personal situation. Um, and then, but she did fine. She did a great fake cry. Uh I thought it shows up really well. Graydon was doing that pretty well too. And Graydon wasn't even on camera. You only catch him for a split second. I didn't even notice it, but Aaron pointed it Mm -hmm. out to me. And, and then Amy Mm -hmm. kept herself in she was tears. Cr- she was crying. Man. She was literally crying. Yeah. yeah. For like 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I, that blew me away. Yeah. And, she, <laughs> and you know, she uh, really, she really carried that knowing that she was a focal point of that whole scene. I, dude, I think she's going to get acting offers after this. Mm-hmm. Like a- Adrian told her that too. Yeah. I just think she did. She had to handle so many heavy scenes and, and, you know, like I, I mentioned Mothman being vignettes or mm. whatever the recreations. This isn't that different from that. It's just, I think, on a grander scale, maybe. Um, there's there's lines and we're trying to sell emotion more so yeah. than just a sighting of something. Right. And it's the same characters over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah, the narration really matters. I mean, the narrative matters. Yeah. And if it was bad, that wouldn't yeah. serve this this whole documentary at all now that i've seen it if 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 amy um if amy or aaron especially because they're the first ones you meet if if either of them were dropping the ball i think the whole thing would collapse Mm -hmm. and now that i've watched it actually now that i'm editing it uh, if anyone wasn't going above and beyond what i expected of them it wouldn't work it really wouldn't Mm -hmm. work like are you because i'm sending you scenes um, I just can't like, if you really think about the fact that no one in this movie other than Amy, I guess it has acting, mm-hmm. uh, history. It's inc- insane. What, what you guys are managing to pull off. And I, th- and I do think it's going to be the scariest movie we've made by a landslide. Uh-huh. I think this is a movie that could give people nightmares. Like when you get into the mid middle section of the movie, there's a breaking point. There's a break point. I mm-hmm. guess you call it in the middle of the movie. I do it for a reason. It's because the back half of the movie is going to get, I'm trying, I'm trying to really like ramp up the fear factor in the back half mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, f- f- once you're past that, it, this movie should just become nail, nail biting, mm-hmm. like nails on a chalkboard, <laughs> not in a bad way. Um, the, the sound design is going to be key. The coolest thing, I guess one of the coolest things was having John, the sound designer there recording the sound. So that's the first time we've had that. Normally Jason's our sound guy, but but Jason wasn't with us this week. So we had John who does the sound design there. And the coolest thing about that is I can say, are you able to do this in this moment with what we have? Mm-hmm. And he says, yes. Or he right. says, no, we need this. Yeah. And I just knew what we needed. Right. And it working in concert, like that was really cool. Like being able to tie all those pieces mm-hmm. together. The, the, it was interesting because we, I felt like a lot of times I was able to edit as I was shooting. Um, and the, the, the one that stands out is that scene with you and Tom. Mm-hmm. I just could see what I needed and what I didn't need. Yeah. And I'm looking at the shot list. The only thing, and I say this after every shoot, the mm. only thing that we needed more of was more coverage. 
We just need small little, and it's the things you always overlook. I, I need a shot of someone's hand resting on this, or like mm-hmm. I need a, someone's hand on a doorknob yeah. or whatever. Like those are the only little things that I came back feeling like we need more of. I'm not saying we have immediate, we have enough footage. Cause I, I'm actually not convinced we do have enough footage. We might be running the house again for like an extra day to get some more pickups. But like, um, yeah, it just, it, what you guys pulled off is, is in, is it just is bigger for some reason than Momo to me, even though scale wise, it's actually considerably smaller. Mm-hmm. You're talking five people, Six, six people, five, uh, six people, uh, at six, six, six yeah. people, one location, basically right. the house and the surrounding area, mm-hmm. but it feels so much bigger than Momo, even though Momo had posses of 30 people rampaging through the woods and stuff. Yeah. This just feels bigger to me. And I think it's just because of what we're attempting to pull off and you don't have the, the cushion of, right. of this can get away with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide with it because yeah. it's just you in the room. It's a, a lot of those scenes are. Mm-hmm. And it, um, one thing that I, we haven't mentioned this yet, and I don't want to say too much about it, mm-hmm. but just as a movie nerd, I loved being around some of the simple practical effects yeah. that were achieved. That was just a blast, especially to see like the finished product, quote unquote, or like just watching the, the dailies and mm-hmm. seeing how some of those things actually looked. And it, it's so cool. It's just like movie magic type stuff. The yes, Friday during the the beating scene, the beating, <laughs> Amy, uh, Amy and her her uh, witch attack. There's there's there was a, a practical effect you would have thought was pretty cool. I mean, you've seen it, I think, but you to actually see him doing it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, just flooding the house with smoke or fog <laughs> yeah, as well. Right. I mean, that wasn't part of the plan. In fact, I threw that fog machine in the car as like a last minute hmm. Be- because mm-hmm. we had the canned aerosol. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we got the canned aerosol. We actually lit a scene and had the canned aerosol in there with one of the candles before we realized that stuff's flammable. <laughs> the whole house would have gone up. Um, so... So we, I shouldn't say that on a show. (laughs) It really wasn't that dangerous, but uh, we ended up using your message to the owners. We're going to use this flame and aerosol. Oh yeah, sure. If you guys see the house go up, don't worry about it. Um, No, we ended up flooding the house with fog constantly. I Mm -hmm. mean, every scene was just flooded with fog. And and it's interesting because in the moment it feels like this seems like overkill. And then you see it back and it, it's not overkill. It just adds this perfect texture to those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't. Yeah. I can't say enough about it. I'm, you know, obviously we're still pretty early in the, in the, in the editing phase. Having said that, this thing will be done in five, six weeks tops. So it's, it it's early in the edit, but we already have a fairly solid rough cut coming along. So um, I can, I can just tell you that, that the scenes, the recreations that I've edited, they all work. And the interesting thing about it is they all work for differing reasons. Mm. You know, like there's, there were little things that came up in the moment that I think are going to be really memorable scenes. There's, there's one with Aaron where he checks a wall oh, for yeah. a sound that I think in the final cut, when John's doing the sound design, it's going to be super creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, it, it was, it was filmmaking on another level. I think for us, I think, like we've had those moments where you can tell you're taking a next step and it, and I think it, I'm, 
I don't want to say this. I'm not going to say this comment actually, but, <laughs> but MoMA was one of them mm-hmm. uh, uh, for sure. And, and maybe before that, um, Flatwoods might've been one because of working with green screen and we can mm. see, well, we can pull this off, yeah. you know, with real people in it too. Right. Um, and, and there probably were some moments on Mothman, obviously Mothman's kind of where everything changed. But there's been moments like that, and this was one of those for me, just seeing what we can pull off and kind of seeing in my head where I want some of our recreations to go in the future, you know? Sure. Yeah, I think that out of the whole cast, the person who exceeded my expectations the most was Aaron. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew Amy could do well, and she blew me away Mm -hmm. past that point, but just not knowing what Aaron can do and then seeing what he did achieve, it was... I mean that he's got some serious chops. Yeah. It's pretty cool to watch mm-hmm. his scenes because there he's is sort of natural yeah. at it. Really it just well, comes to well him. Done. There, there, there's a botched take of the hanging woman reaction that's actually better than the one that's in the movie. I, and I would use it except we had something happening in the background on it that oh. just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But but his the first time he reacted to it, I was pulled out of filmmaker mode and I was just standing there watching them and they just kept reacting and Santino's running around them with the gimbal and like getting their reactions. And I'm still just standing there watching them react. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they seeing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, uh, Aaron, Aaron did a great job. Everyone did a great job. I can't like, there's no one's performance that's in the movie where I could pick it apart for anything mm-hmm. or say this didn't, everyone exceeded expectations by a, by a mile. I'd say, wow. Because you just have to, you, you, I can't understate how important the, the being able to convincingly portray this stuff, the, mm. these reactions was. And so going into it, in all honesty, I was pretty mortified. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, well, sure. Just yeah. because we really have to sell it. It was very specific. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Anyway, the the weekend was great. Everyone, it was wild on Sunday seeing the house come back together. Oh, I bet. I mean, like I had, you know, and there were a lot of us there, even mm-hmm. though we lost you and Sue and Andy, we had, mm-hmm. um, Nicole came out and helped. Mm-hmm. She was helping Adrian clean up dishes and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. every room was just, you'd watch it come together, come back together as it really was. And it, it was interesting too, because the house in some of those rooms where we had removed everything, it legitimately felt. Yeah. Like you traveled through time when you would walk into that room, the dining room, especially for some reason, but Mm -hmm. the bedrooms upstairs really too. But, um, watching those rooms go back to kind of present day Mm -hmm. was was really interesting. Um, yeah, we can't really talk about it very directly, but I have, I think we should say Adrian got put through the ringer. Oh yeah. (laughs) She really went above and beyond. I, uh, and just thinking what well, she it's had interesting to do just yeah. for a single take. I, I like, guess that's cow. what we're talking about all the actors and you almost forget about her as an actor because yeah. she's not reacting to things or whatever. She's, she's got to be absolutely, I guess what was, what was so impressive about that was first of all, she had to be the hanging woman and she convincingly portrayed a dead person. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a scary person simultaneously mm-hmm. with the, you know, like she did all that real well. She also was doing the makeup um, and and all the costume design. And if you knew right. what our budget was, yeah. it's impressive what we had someone post that this was the first uh, the first time they'd seen someone do the Bell Witch 
period appropriate with the costuming and everything. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but she had to speak. They ended up, John ended up recording her lines directly on location. I think originally we had talked about recording her lines. She was supposed to act them out with you guys, but we were going to record them later and Mm -hmm. we still will record a few of those lines. Mm -hmm. But, um, she was doing so well in the moment that it was, she scared the crap out of Aaron. Were you, did you catch that? What, it was during was the that? scene where um, it was during the Bible where you're reading okay. the Bible and she laughs. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> she was standing next to Aaron and Aaron didn't realize she was acting in that scene. And he had just walked in the room. And when she did her laugh, yeah. he jumped, I guess it scared him and Nicole. So yeah. I don't think awesome. I, I don't think we're just tooting our own horn or like looking. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I, hopefully it comes through that we, it's, kind of a pleasant surprise what we were able to yeah. to do because it just it was well, better and, than we hoped yeah and i think we're, we were both impressed everyone was impressed with everyone else right we're not impressed with ourselves yeah it's it's that we're watching the other people and uh, it's like you said i mean like aaron and amy and adrian and and sue and mm-hmm. and, and Graydon too and for Graydon. that matter yeah, yeah yeah well tom yeah, yeah we haven't even mentioned tom yeah. really but does he have any acting experience? Because he did. He had a line that he botched three times. Are in, you serious? In Momo. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That thing went after one of Charlie Pierce's prize. Do you shows. know he quoted that line in while he was dying? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Well, it was like in between takes. <laughs> and he's laying say. there like getting sprayed in the yeah, face yeah. and, you know, having to die on screen. And yeah. he, he quoted as... Charlie Pierce line, which I felt really good about. Second or third death was really convincing, almost to a disturbing. It disturbed people. I I thought thought. because he got it right, he got the timing. I I was was glad Adrian wasn't in there for that moment. Yeah, that's actually her dad. So like it was, it was (laughs) was pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. But he, I mean, he looks good on screen, Mm -hmm. and he's just convincingly upset when Mm -hmm. he needs to be, but also like fatherly and stuff. I just, he just did a really good job. Yeah. Everyone did a good job. Yeah. Can't wait for you guys to see the movie. And it's coming quick. Um, <laughs> Kickstarter backers are going to have this by December. So this one's going to follow real fast on the heels of Mothman. I mean, I think the fastest we've ever released two movies back to back, actually. Um, backers are, are, are going to flip out for this thing. Yeah. All I right. learned you can style a wig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. I was talking to Aaron about that before he left today. I was like, I didn't know you could style a wig. Yeah. I thought you just put it on. You know, she, <laughs> she, she kind of panicked once they were there. Um, she wasn't thrilled with the way they looked and she spent a lot of time those two nights leading up to the shoot, styling them in our kitchen. Oh wow. She had them on, um, heads and stuff. And she, I actually, I think she spent a whole day on, on one of them. Uh, one of the days Tommy was at the, uh, at a sitter's house she was working on it so you know this deserves its own behind the scenes book if you ask me yeah (laughs) yeah i agree i'm in agreement uh okay so the uh uh, if you like the show uh, any final thoughts do we need to wrap this up somehow yeah well i don't know i mean it was uh it was a blast is the bottom line i think for the the actors all had fun well here's here's what i'll say Mm -hmm. um even on a, a production this size, what you learn being involved in a, a, a project of this nature is uh, the teamwork element of it. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people think of film and they think immediately of actor. Yeah. Like if you're going to be in film, you're going to act. And that's just one piece of a whole 
mechanism yeah. that makes a movie. Yeah. And on our, our crew, I think we're really blessed, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. by people who love what they do and are good at what they do. And the fun of it is seeing all of those parts come together yeah. in the way that they did. And maybe you know, filmmaking, more than many other artistic or creative endeavors, is a, a team sport. Mm-hmm. It's very, it'd be very difficult for one person to make a movie. Yeah. It's almost impossible to even conceive of it. And so, you know, it, what you end up with is truly a collaboration. And that, I think, I think that'll come through on this too. Yeah. If you like the show, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Google, whatever. Are we on Google podcast? I don't even know. I don't know. Some of these I haven't Did finished. Some, somebody had to probably have put us on yeah. Google podcast. Cause I don't think I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> We're on iTunes. I know that. Yeah. Uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes. If you want to send us mail, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Um, the, uh, I just blanked. Oh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on those. That does it till next week. We're talking about Skinwalker next week. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. Wadsworth.